with Aaron, Polly, and Tim. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Tim, and I drank all the goddamn eggnog already. Hody, hody, ho! So is Tim our Scrooge? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that seems my appropriate spot. Give, give us a bah humbug, Tim. Bah fucking humbug. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, that would make you the ghost of Christmas future. That, that could possibly be. That, that was the big drunk guy, right? No, that was Christmas past. Oh. What, wasn't it Christmas past? Because the future was pointing towards death. Oh, yeah. Christmas, was Christmas past one. was talking about Scrooge's uh, salad days. Yeah, that's yeah. you. You're the ghost of Christmas yeah. past. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah. Seems like you're calling me fat. I'm but, calling you uh, drunk is what I'm really uh-huh. calling you. <laughs> <laughs> so the future's pointing towards death. Way to go out on a fucking limb, future. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it seems like since we're talking that, about death. I, I think that makes you Marley. Oh, Bob. Yeah, uh, I think you're the one who goes, oh, Scrooge. <laughs> That's my goofy voice, or, or <laughs> and Wayne would be Tiny Tim, or 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 as Jen calls it, your sexy voice. My sexy voice, <laughs> Gorsh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know him in the chicken suit doing his goofy voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the bunny suit. Yeah. 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 I have yeah. a Santa suit well, now too. Just depends on what time of year it is, but it's always the goofy voice. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) So this went to a dark place very fast. You know, that's what we do here. That's what we do here. I've got I've got Tim here as my spirit animal pushing me towards the darkness. Mm, (laughs) Excellent. Well, it seems like it puts us in the right mood to talk about the exorcist. Well, it is a holiday favorite. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so I I'm done. I finished I finished uh, uh, the season. Now this is this is the end of the season, right? It's not coming back for uh, another half season in the spring, nope. right? So I, I I think these abbreviated seasons for The Exorcist really work for it. It helps keep it tight. Yeah, it does. It does. I I think that you know you get all story. It's you're you're never going. God, when are we going to get another mythology episode? Yeah. I mean, it's just all it's all everything you want as opposed to, God, why why are we fighting this random thing? Yeah. You know, which reminds uh, me, X Files is coming back next month. But you know, and as as terrible as I thought the previous season of X Files was, the commercials for this looked pretty good. I don't know. Like I, I, I will watch the first episode, but that last season was bad. There was one oh, yeah, good was, episode out of what five, six. Oh, I and you made it further than I did because I never saw a good episode. <laughs> but I also didn't finish the season. Yeah, it, it was um, tough. I, it was, uh, it was, it was rough watching. And uh, but you know, X Files is kind of enjoying a, a renaissance. They have been recording uh, original cast. Uh, audiobooks, like dramatized audiobooks on Audible. Hmm. And those apparently are doing really well. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... I, I, I'm interested... I find it fascinating that it's still a lucrative franchise. Because yeah. I will tell you, like, I could give a shit. I mean, I, 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 mean, I really could. Like, at this point, um, it just seems like even the mythology doesn't seem interesting to me. So... Well, it's because it's inconsistent. And, you know, back then, mm-hmm. that crazy stuff was fringe... Now it seems rather mainstream. Fair, fair point. Yeah, we have we have crazy shit happening in the news every day, 
and uh, it doesn't seem nearly so fringe as it used to be. <laughs> you know, it, I, we, we can all look and go, of course there's a conspiracy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say, are you awake this year? Yeah, I mean, of, of course there's a conspiracy. Of course. Dig that shit. Well, there's a conspiracy in the Vatican, in The Exorcist. Yeah, you know, I have to wonder what it's like to be Catholic and watch a show like The Exorcist. <laughs> you know, because I, I sit there going, you know, they really, the only good priests that they show you in that series are priests who are defying the Vatican. Yeah, fair point. Everybody, anybody else who, who is who is following the rules as writ uh, by Vatican II... Wait, wait, wait. We have a late comer to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody welcome Wayne. Woo! Stupid computer crashed and I'd patched. Like, and I'd, li- I'd like to point out you're 10 minutes late, and we start this podcast on time, not Wayne time. Uh, Just saying. I was sitting here on time until the computer crashed and then it needed to patch. And Yeah, well, switch to Apple. Just saying. So I think not going to happen. I think the point that Aaron was saying is that the priests that drink the 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 Kool Aid or the sacramental wine are are the ones that are the bad guys in the show. Yeah, the uh, that's what that's what I find so interesting about it is that there is we only ever saw like one priest at the Vatican. You know, I guess he was a cardinal actually. But you know, one cardinal at the Vatican who seemed like a good guy. You know, uh, was working with. who is the uh, the cardinal that winds up in the hospital at the end of the the, the, the season? Cardinal Richelieu, maybe I'm yeah, I can't I can't remember his name, but you know he, he he's working with him, but you know he he's t- he's uh you know following Vatican policy and whatnot, and he winds up getting axed. <laughs> you know yeah. they take him down the hall and you never see him again. You know I I, think I wonder show, what that's like. Yeah, I, I think what the show is trying to illustrate, at least the beliefs of the writers of the show is that they find that the organized that the organized religion aspect is what they find inherently bad and they say well i think the lesson of the show is follow the word of god it doesn't have to be organized once it gets organized it turns into this conspiracy thing i mean that's that seems generally what happens like every organized aspect of the show seems bad but the 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 heroes of the show have left the church but still follow the word of god type thing yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think I think the message that they're pushing forth is, is exactly what you said, Paul, that, you know, if the, if it's a uh, incorporated religion, it's probably bad. Right. Um, but if you're if you're if it's just you and, you know, connecting straight to the big guy, you're good. You know, yeah, except we also see that, you know, there's problems with that, too, because uh, father, God, I can't believe I've. Um, is it is it Marcus the the younger fellow the younger person? No, the younger fellow is Tomas. Tomas, that's right. You know, we, we see Tomas because you know he doesn't have the he, he doesn't abide by the protections that are kind of built into the process. You know, winds up get, starting to get seduced by the dark side. He's going to become a Sith Lord, Paul. Ooh, that's season three, which would be ultimately more compelling than Kylo Ren. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of season two? Now that season two is over of The Exorcist, what did you think? I thought this episode, this season was heartbreaking, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I think that was um, the intent. <laughs> it was, it was, whereas the previous season, you're like, holy shit, that's cool, right? I had a lot of that in season one. Holy shit, that's cool. And man, that's fucked up, right? Yeah. Um, this season. Well, hold on. Before this, you say, um, before you finish your statement, 
if you yeah. haven't seen season two of Exorcist and you plan to skip ahead like five minutes, um, yeah. because we are about yeah, to spoil some some pretty big stuff here. Go ahead. Okay, so I thought season two was expertly made. I, I yeah. thought that that there were I, like I didn't see the we, we opened up the season with Henry Cho being a foster dad and uh, having these kids out on this island off the coast of Seattle. And, you know, it, it was just very picturesque and, you know, he's being a good guy and he's got, you know, uh, four of these these different foster kids plus this fifth kid that you're trying to figure out, is, is that a foster kid or is that his natural daughter? Right. Mm-hmm. And she's she's a little agoraphobic. She won't go out. She doesn't want to go downstairs and have dinner with everybody. And she really doesn't want to go out of the house. And, you know, she's got so, sort of some weird quirks, but she's sweet as can be. And turns out she's the demon. <laughs> and. And I just I didn't see that coming, Paul. I truly didn't. I didn't see it coming until like a minute before the reveal. on Yeah, that one. same here. And, and I was like, wow, they really got me on that, that that she wasn't real, that nobody else could see her. And, and they, they shot it so beautifully and created such a compelling case. You never ask the question, why in the world, you know, is she not sharing a scene with any of the other kids? Yeah, I, you I never I, do. It, it never occurred yeah. to me. Yeah. And usually that stuff seems so telegraphed in, in other media, but not here at all. I mean, I, I congr- you know, big props to the makers of The Exorcist that they got me on that. Yeah. Now, uh, I, you cannot help but really admire and fall in love a little bit with the family that Henry Cho's character is trying to put together. I mean, you truly can't. I mean, he's just he just seems like such a good guy. So when he falls, he falls hard. And so does the, the viewer. I mean, it just broke my heart because even there is a moment in the show you're like, well, even if they do manage to exercise his demon, there's no coming back from this. Yeah. You know, he. He's losing his family. You know, his family is is done for. Those kids are going to be scattered to the wind. And you know, there's you you just you're you're broken hearted about it because there's no way Henry Cho is going to put that back together. Yeah. And I, and you realize that. And so, I mean, the best solution is that he dies, because I would think life would be worse for him after that. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, the priest yeah. actually has to shoot him to save Tomas. Yeah. I uh, I I thought it I thought all of those aspects were great. I do object to one thing in the in the the series this season, and it was how much time we spent up in Father Tomas's head fighting uh, demons in his head. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I got to tell you, you know, when when more than five minutes of your story is going to be a dream sequence, you need to rethink that shit. Because mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it in any media. I, I hated the 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 mind talking stuff in uh, Last Jedi, and I certainly hated that stuff here. You know, for me, actually, I didn't mind uh, John Cho. I think I see you're referring to. Um, oh no, no, this is this is his uh, lesser known brother Henry, <laughs> sometimes called Hank. Hank, Hank Cho. <laughs> um, Thanks for the correction. Paul. No, no, no worries. So the stuff in John Cho's head, you know, what they 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 have an episode that is the Exorcist. From the the possessed's point of view, which is yeah. a unique take on it, and I thought that was really I thought that well worked. Done. That did that did not bother me at all because I felt like that was legitimate experience, right? Yeah, but the Father because, Tomas stuff did go on a bit long. I mean, in the whole final episode, no, it was the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah, 
he Tomas is in his head the entire freaking episode. Yeah. And while I'll say that the the first scene of that where you know uh, Father Marcus walks back into the into the room and he's all refreshed and whatnot and they I think it's working you know and they start it looks like they're pushing the demon out you're like I think this is a little too good to be true. I think I, we I, I knew something was up. Yeah, I yeah. knew something then, was up when he was like, you know, I'm glad you're here or you're doing great or something like that. And it was the, the, the reason that it was a tell was that uncharacteristic to the entire season, it was a bright moment. I was about to say it was rather hopeful. You're like, oh, things are going to work out. No, this can't be right. Yeah, this, this isn't real. Um, They're fucking with me. Yeah. And, and to Aaron's point, yeah, the thing about this season uh, that made it so heartbreaking is that at no point did it get better. No. Right. Um, the the it got progressively worse the entire season. You know, there was there were there was never a moment of you know what they might pull this through because it just got worse and worse and worse until the point where you're like. They're not going to pull this through. (laughs) So how is this going to end? And it ends with, you know, um, John Cho's character dying and, you know, the 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 priest essentially still on the run. Um, And and while his character was not a Christian, mm -mm. his character dies in perfect Christian fashion. He martyrs himself to not only save his family, but to save all these future families that this demon is preying on. I mean, it's. the the sacrifice. This is what kind of amuses me about it. The sacrifice is very Catholic, yeah. right? It is it is very much the road of of a traditional Roman saint. It just amuses me that the series seems so patently anti-Catholic. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm 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 not, I am not a Catholic person. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Catholic person. And I just I kind of marvel at this show that I'm like, man. It seems to me like you're shutting off a whole segment of your population because I got to tell you, if this if if they were painting the Episcopal Church in the same light, I'm not sure I'd watch this show. I think it would offend me too much. Hmm. Interesting. Because I and, and I think they can fix it because I think we we are all just like in our government. You know, we all know that when you've got a great big organization working, there's bad people in it, right? Because you know people are people are terrible wherever you go. I just wish that they'd show some good guys still working within the Vatican. And right? I, think I wish we'll they'd see sh- that. You know, I think they they are setting up this this thing that's going to happen, right? I don't think the people are, of the Vatican are bad. I think that's one thing that um, I think there is a lot of there are a lot of integrated folks already within the Vatican. I feel right. like it has been infiltrated, but I don't think that the Vatican is inherently bad. It's just infiltrated um, <laughs> at the highest level. But you, you, so go ahead. If any organization has good and bad, are we big enough to have the good and bad? Who's the evil one on the podcast? <laughs> uh, clearly, it's Paul. I would say, I, <laughs> duh. I mean, like that's an obvious one. There's I mean, no, there, on. there's no, there's no hidden corruption on this podcast. Yeah, no, our corruption is full up and up front. Yeah, you know, in fact, it's on your business card, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It doesn't even have my name. It just says evil. And if we had gotten business cards for Tim, you know, it, his would say something similar. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't be happy. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it would be a sad face emoji. Um, yeah. So, Exorcist season two. Uh, before you know, we don't want to belabor. Uh, yeah, there, there's other stuff we have to talk about today, but I do think it is a, a fantastic series. Um, as the end of last season, the the future is unknown. Um, you know, the, even the writers are like, we have a plan. We haven't heard. 
Um, and to be fair, last year at this time, they hadn't heard either. Right. Um, yeah, it was late it in was, the game before we heard they were coming back. Yeah, so they, they, they don't know. Their, their concern, obviously, is that, you know, with Disney owning Fox, this doesn't fit into the Disney... Um, you know, the Disney way of doing things. But at the same time, I would say that I think um, I think when it comes to the television division, I don't think Disney can make those big sweeping changes so that everything feels like a Disney property. Uh, well, I would you know, think, I would think that, you know, they're, they're not going to own the Fox net, network, even though they're, they're responsible for the content, right? Correct. Um, so one would hope that if Fox wants it, Disney will produce it. Yeah. So that's, that's what one hopes. And I got to tell you, if it doesn't come back, yeah, I'd be sad that there's not a season three, but there truly are no cliffhangers. You know, there are certainly more yeah. story elements that they can hit. But if it ended today, you've got two great, complete stories, Yeah. Uh, you know, in, over these two seasons. And, yeah, there's a lot more room for them to play. Uh, but, you know, if it, if it ends now, you've got what you need. Yeah. And I think that was intentional, you know, in both yeah. the first season and second season. Both of them can stand without nece- necessarily continuing the story. Yeah. Um, you want more, but it's not, but you, 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 it feels complete. Right. And they didn't have to have an apocalypse, Paul. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't have to send, we didn't have to send, uh, one of the two priests to hell. Yeah. Or, uh, or purgatory or, heaven. or heaven yeah. or, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, well, maybe by season 13. <laughs> yeah, um, possibly. <laughs> so. Uh, in other TV news, uh, Friday Netflix dropped, uh, and so that's if you are listening to this out of order, that would be Friday, December twenty second. Um, Netflix dropped two new releases that uh, probably more than that, but two that I'm interested in. One is the new Will Smith film Bright, um, directed by Suicide Squad director David Ayer. Uh, I saw a review Edgerton. that says it. I saw a review that said it was the worst movie of 2017. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've, I've seen, quite frankly, mostly negative reviews. I'm still going to give it a shot, especially since I don't have to go to the theater to see it. Right. Yeah, that's disappointing to hear because the trailer looked really good. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some positive reviews, but the most the ones that I've that are mostly out there right now I've seen are negative. Um, but the 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 main new release that I was excited for was the Toys That Made Us. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. I have not. So I believe it is an eight-episode series, but only four episodes were released on Friday. Um, and each episode, it takes on the... It, it's basically like Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics, except uh-huh. it's about toy properties. Oh, really? Um, and these guys are is, probably... I'm sorry, go ahead. Is there a Micronauts episode, Paul? Not yet. God damn it. <laughs> um, so, but, I always get the scroogey. <laughs> uh, so I think these guys are probably of similar age as us here on the podcast because the four episodes that were released um, were Star Wars, uh, Barbie, He-Man, and G.I. Joe. And each episode basically goes over the history of that toy from inception to you know where it is in current day. Um, and so I, I, I watched... I watched all four episodes yesterday because I wasn't doing anything. Um, and out of all of them, I think the He-Man episode is probably the strongest and the Barbie the weakest. Um, but I, I, it is super, super interesting. They talk to a lot of the creative types and, and go over things that I didn't know about any of the toy lines. So uh, none of those toy lines interest me. But if they do uh, like Transformers. I'm sure that's for coming. The second half, I will definitely be on board. 
Uh, speaking of the secret history of comics, are you guys all caught up? You see the season finale? Which one was the season finale? Was that the one on Image? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I was didn't good. realize that was the finale. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because that's the one I'd been waiting for. Because it's, uh, I was wondering, how are they going to do Image? Because they've done a pretty decent job of being fair-handed with all of them, mm-hmm. of the, the good and the bad. So it's like, how are they possibly going to to cover Image without a slant to it? I feel and... like they had a slant to it, honestly, since we're talking about it. Uh, you know, I mentioned this, um, I was watching it with Jen, and I said, and, you know, because Rob, it's Robert Kirkman's show, of course it's going to have a, a pro-Image slant. But I think one thing that they glossed over... And she said they didn't, but I feel like they did. But one thing that I feel like they glossed over is just how big of the of assholes those guys were at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't just, like, leave Marvel and set trends. They firebombed the bridge and bad-talked everyone. Um, and so I, th- I, I felt like that was something they glossed over, at, you know. And I, I understandably, because all those guys participated in the show. And so you don't yeah, want to they- say, like, hey... Todd, you know, Todd McFarlane's up, blah, 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 blah. And Todd was a big dickhead. You know, you don't want to do that. They did but. kind of mention it, but they did. You're right. They didn't kind of upplay it. I was shocked to see uh, Todd McFarlane actually admitting things like. Same here. That they had really <laughs> horrible writing. He came right out and said, yeah, our books had horrible writing. Well, I've never I, seen him admit that. I was stunned to see uh, how much accountability Todd McFarlane took. For, for the way a lot of that stuff fell out, you know, that that he was, you know, uh, perhaps unreasonable in some circumstances with, for instance, Rob Liefeld, et cetera. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was I was stunned by that because I've never seen him do that. You know, he's usually I'm right. The, the entire world is wrong. I will also say that in my long, long history of following uh, Mark Silvestri, the first time I've ever seen him sober. I. I have I have been at numerous uh, comic events, and I swear to God, I, while I didn't see a drink in his hand, I was certain he was drunk. But yeah, that was my big takeaway from it was I was it was the Todd McFarlane. I have never seen him ever admit any weakness or any wrongdoing, and he was you're right. He took a lot of accountability. That's why I uh, was really impressed by it because I didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good episode. I thought I appreciated the openness. I appreciated the fact that Jim Lee was on it. Um, yeah. You know, he, he usually distances himself from that stuff. Um, you know, especially, I mean, he's the he's one of the top three guys in D.C. So I, I, I was surprised that he participated, but I was glad he was because, they, you know, they had very open and honest uh, discussions about about things. And without him, I think you, you miss a key component because I didn't realize at the time... I mean, you kind of did because you had comic shop, re- comic shop news and all those things, but you didn't have the internet like you did now. You don't have the social media. So you didn't necessarily have um, the insight into the creator's minds at the time and just how much Jim Lee was the golden boy right. at Marvel. Um, he wasn't a writer at all. You know, at least Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson were writing stuff for Marvel at the time. Um, but Jim Lee wasn't. He, you know, he was Chris Claremont was, was doing the writing for him. The one area I did think that it was, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but unbalanced or whatever, Kirkman was painted as the the saving hero that came in and, and which in, I guess, a lot of ways he kind of was, but they overplayed that a bit much. I agree, because I do think, 
as much credit as they gave to Kirkman, they downplayed the credit of Jim Valentino for turning that company around. Right. They did. And they also didn't mention anything. Like, I was waiting for them to talk about Invincible as well as Walking Dead. And it was never brought up at all that Kirkman's done anything in Image other than Walking Dead. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't want to talk about uh, the astounding wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I will say I was startled when the image guys took responsibility for uh, the 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 bust in the 90s. You know, I was yeah. like, wow, because I've never heard them do that. Everybody else is like, yeah, image is totally responsible for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when they're talking about all the hollow foil covers and whatnot uh, and people, you know, all the speculators buying up umpteen zillion copies of of shit and them them i mean they didn't talk about rob liefeld's you know blue jeans ad i mean that's how much of a rock star these guys were you know i I talked to jen about that i'm like you don't realize like rob liefeld like posed for calvin klein and everything it was a big yeah i mean i mean these guys these guys were were the bad boys of comics if you will and were making crazy money crazy money you know, I mean, the, the whole thing where, where Rob Liefeld's like, ah, you know, we'll uh, we'll pay to have uh, these Hollywood prosthetics guys make a bad rock costume and let's make a life size spaceship that we can take to cons. Oh, that's going to be a pain in the ass to move from con to con. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I thought I thought, though, you're absolutely right, Paul. There's some of the stuff that they kind of, you know, uh, put a little gloss over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought overall it was really good. And I got to tell you, I've enjoyed every episode of uh, of uh, the secret history history of comics this season. And I hope it comes back for a season two because very enjoyable. Yeah, I really want to see him do Valiant in the future. Yeah. I, you know, there's there's so much they can and do. Malibu. Yeah, Valiant, Malibu. Yeah, they've only scratched the surface. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I and with comic book movies being such a big deal you could certainly do a lot of tie-ins like talking about with you know you know the creation of the black panther for instance and the creation of thanos and you know you could talk about all these psychedelic drugs happening at marvel in the 70s <laughs> you know yeah. uh, absolutely they should they should probably have the story of jim starlin they should yeah um you know uh len ween uh you know one thing that they didn't do this year probably because it's a sim it's too similar of a story to some of the stories they told, but would make for a great future episode, is Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Um, but I, I, I do wonder because they've got such a big participation from DC and Marvel, how much leeway they've got in telling some of those stories and continuing to have some of that cooperation. Because point. you know, DC doesn't come off well in a Bob Finger, Bob Kane conversation or Bill Finger, Bob Kane conversation. And uh, Marvel doesn't come off so well when you're talking about their relationship with uh, Jim Starlin. By the way, Paul, what day is it? It is uh, Saturday, December 23rd. Oh, it's Saturday. That means Jim Starlin must have quit Marvel again. Yeah, yeah, he did. (laughs) Freaking Jim Starlin. He'll be back. Yeah, you know, uh, Jim Starlin, not happy with the way he's being treated and uh, and his access to the character Thanos that he created, has quit Marvel again. I'd like to point out this is not the only time he's quit Marvel about his relationship to Thanos, the character he created. Yeah, he said the story that they're doing is too similar to the story he's doing in his graphic novels that no one reads. Um, well, and, and, and that in all fairness aren't going to be out until April or May. Yeah. And uh, the the story that they've got in the ongoing 
is very closely related to the story that he's already got. And his complaint is that Tom Brevoort knew that and that he complained he, – he shared that with Tom Brevoort, editor-in-chief at Marvel Comics, early on. And Tom's like, oh, no. And then by the time Tom Brevoort actually admitted, yeah, they are kind of similar, it was too late to do anything. Yeah. And See? so – Perfect fodder for a future secret history of comics. That is exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. So, well, so once again, once again, for I think maybe the third time. Yeah, Jim Starlin has quit a Thanos comic. Yeah, third time in he, recent years. Let's not even go yeah, back he, to the seventies and eighties. He quit his Thanos ongoing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where you know Thanos was was not necessarily such a bad guy. He was kind of on on a on a quest. To find himself, and that was about the one where he had the little uh, pixie uh, sidekick. Yep, remember that one? Yep. I think Keith Giffen followed him on that series. Correct. When he left, and then he quit uh, his original graphic novel that he was working on, and that was when you and I interviewed him. And uh, that was, was because of uh, the use of Adam Warlock. Right. They wouldn't let him use Adam Warlock, another character he created. And then now this one. So that's three that, that I can think of off the top of my head, not including his time in the 80s when he, he quit Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm Marvel and he's doing a miniseries, I don't publish any of them until he's done the whole miniseries yeah. at this point. Well, I think now that's why they do the graphic novels type thing. Yeah. Hey, um, before we move off of uh, the television news, I do want to mention, um, I don't know if you guys saw on Secret History of Comics, there is a new series coming out called Jim Cameron's uh, Story of Science Fiction, I think. Um, and I'm assuming it's I did kind see of the, the same preview format. for that. What, what is that? Same format, I'm assuming. Like, Oh, it's a documentary about science fiction? A documentary like series. Science fiction? Yeah. Science fiction yeah. film, TV, books, all of the above. It doesn't. Uh, you know, it's a very, it was a teaser, so it was very short. Um, but I, I believe it was, I, I believe it's probably all inclusive. It's that it's a, it's kind of like, I'm assuming it's kind of like Secret History of Comics and now the toys that made us. It's kind of about this evolution of sci fi. Yeah, I'm hoping that's what it is because I saw the preview and I thought, I'll give, you know, I'm going to give this a chance. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, here's the thing. Um, I'm hopeful it's good. Secret History of Comics is good. Uh, yeah. Toys That Made Us is really good as well. Um, I will say my main concern is Jim Cameron's involvement in it, because for me, <laughs> uh, I feel like things will get a bit overblown. Well, it's because when Jim Cameron's involved, perfect is the enemy of good. Exactly. Right? I mean, he, he just he, he can't stop fiddling with it. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll so uh, before we leave Secret History of Comics, Paul, did you see the Milestone episode? I did. That was crazy good. It was. It was. I was. I was so yeah. impressed with, with with how good that episode was. Well, and one of the things I was impressed with, like a lot of the others, some of these people that I've never heard admit any fault to things. Yeah. Admitted fault and admitted yep. that maybe I didn't do things very well. And you know, Paul, the milestone relaunch is due out this May. Oh, okay. I, I am. I am pretty damn excited about that. Yeah. And it is a complete. It's a complete relaunch. It is. Uh, uh, they are they are not doing you know they're not picking up where the story left off they're they're rebooting everything because they felt like the stories were too 90s mm -hmm. to be relevant to you know uh, 20 30 years later so they are they're doing a, a complete reboot of the series and I'm excited about that I don't have any objection to that at all ah, so maybe. Rocket won't be pregnant <laughs> maybe maybe 
Maybe. Well, Probably teen, not when it starts. Well, and to be fair, teen pregnancy isn't quite the uh, the controversial topic that it was back in the 90s. That's kind of because guys like Judge Roy Moore use contraceptives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not a uh, controversial topic because it's a normal thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So... Um, in the spirit of the season, you know, this 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 coming Monday, as we record this, is Christmas here, uh, and what I thought would be fun to talk about, we talk about this every year. Typically, we talk about it earlier in the month, but I, mean, I guess we just forgot. Uh, so, I thought it would be interesting to talk about what you guys would like for Christmas. Um, you know, what what is, I mean, you know, what is the main thing? What is the one thing that you want to see under that Santa deliver, under that Christmas tree, um, the day after tomorrow? So, Aaron, why don't you start us off? Knights of Rainsboro season four. <laughs> I <laughs> feel like that's I a cheat. <laughs> we know that's not going to happen by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had some uh, scheduling difficulties. And, you know, for, uh, you know, for a change in things, I'm not necessarily the only guy who's had scheduling problems. But we've got quite a bit of it recorded and we're very close to finishing season four. I'm looking forward to wrapping this up and getting it out to you. And, hey, I'll just use this as an opportunity to promote it. If you haven't caught it, our brand new Christmas special, Knights of Rainsboro Christmas special. Christmas special, a very Rainsboro Christmas part two is up on the feed right now, as well as last year's part one. So uh, be sure and listen to those. But, you know, other other than that, Paul, what I would like under the tree. Oh, I don't know. Uh, there is that really nice uh, Jim Aparo uh, Batman black and white statue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would. Uh, or is it the name? No, it's the Norm Brayfogle one. That's the one. Oh, uh, even better. With the with the cape all uh fluttering off to, to, to his right. Yeah. It's, it's just a gorgeous statue. I, the, the, the black and white Batman statue. That looks pretty hot. I think so, Norman Brayfogle yeah, is my favorite Batman artist of all time. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty hot statue. So yeah, that, that, I think that's the, the main thing that I'd like to see under the Christmas tree. That and scotch. If there's scotch under the tree, that's a good Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. I brought my own if Santa didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Tim? You know, uh, it's it's not gonna be real relevant to this podcast, but That's okay. uh, I I am I am the last holdover of the flip phone in my friends group, <laughs> and uh, I'm getting awfully tired of going on walks with my friends, and one's got their head in a you know little tablet thing, and the other one's got his head in a little tablet thing. It's like you know this is starting to suck. So uh, yeah, that's that's probably that's probably what I would vote for. Um, Sorry, is it a smartphone you're hoping for or a tablet you're hoping for? A smartphone. I have a tablet. Um, I've got an old iPhone one you can have. You know, Santa <laughs> doesn't hook you up. You know, of course, as as we see in the news this week, you know, Apple is intentionally slowing those devices down. So mine is just essentially a paperweight. <laughs> so if you if you if you've got a lot of random papers flying around your home or office, I've got I got a phone for you. <laughs> but uh yeah if we're gonna talk like kind of more uh more, more traditional funny books kind of things i you know i got a mancon present last year uh, or it was two years ago uh i've got i've got uh jesse in the in the win in the in the the meth winnebago from uh breaking bad right i i need a heisenberg uh to go with that <laughs> so that was on my list as a as a pop fun go, or as a pop guy 
See, here I was thinking about getting Tim the two pack of Lady Thor and uh, Odin's son. That's uh, just me. That's not the spirit of the season. You're getting cold, Wayne. <laughs> God, that's just me. Because I actually saw that at a five, uh, five below for like five bucks. Or I'm like, do I do that? It would be funny, but no, that would be mean. So I, I did. I think the way you do that is you you buy it, you package it up, and just mail it to him with no return address, so he has no <laughs> idea what it is as he's opening it. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, essentially, performing a hate crime. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, how about you? Uh, go ahead. Right. Uh, my big one that if I don't get, I'll rush out and buy right away is uh, Lego Marvel Two for PlayStation Four. Is that new? I yes, just came out about uh, a month ago. Hmm. I love the Lego games. Lego Marvel was the best of the Lego games to begin with, and this one has like Spider Man twenty ninety nine right on the cover of it. So I'm excited about it. I played a little bit of it over at an in-laws and, uh, you know, it's I love the Lego games. And this one has a lot of characters. The interesting thing is no X-Men at all, but it has a lot of obscure characters. So I get really excited about the Lego games. Well, you'll see them in Marvel Super Heroes 3 now that Marvel's got the movie property rights back. That's what I'm thinking. And probably Fantastic Four before too long. Yeah. So, So, Paul, what about you? So for me, um, you know, non-funny books related, uh, The Rock, one Dwayne Johnson, has a whole line of Under Armour clothing and shoes. And so I put on my Christmas list, anything from that line would be good. I love a new pair of Rock shoes um, because they're like my favorite shoes. Um, If I'm going with geeky stuff, I actually, my Christmas present to myself was a copy of the new Mondo the board game based on the thing. Um, I bought the special edition looking forward to bringing that out at Mancon. It is a beautiful, beautiful box. Um, but, uh, one thing that I did ask for as well is, uh, so star Wars has this line of figures called the black series. Um, so the black series is just kind of their, you know, their normal figures are three and three quarter inch. Uh, the black series are like the six inch scale, more detailed, a bit more of a collector's market on those. Um, They have a new series called the Black Series Centerpiece line. And so the way those work is it's it's kind of like miniature statues. Um, I think there's only two out. There's a Darth Vader and a Luke Skywalker. And it's it's like the six inch series, like super detailed sculpts, but also with a diorama. Yeah, I saw those at Target. They're beautiful. I I want them both. They are gorgeous and they're not that pricey. Um, In fact, actually, my birthday was a couple weeks ago and I got the Darth Vader for my birthday. I'm looking at him right now. And um, he's he's like he's standing on top of a door that ha- that he has force pushed open. He's got his lightsaber out, and there's an explosion happening in the wall. And there's a little switch that if you flick it, the explosion like flickers like fire. Um, it is just gorgeous, and they are really affordably priced. Um, but they look like you know they they look like an expensive statue there on your shelf and so i really like those i I like you know i miss the days of you know the toys with the dioramas the old school mcfarlane toys that came with all those dioramas and stuff um so i really like the look of those so that's that's those are some great ideas we'll find out next week when we chat if we got any of that stuff but go ahead i was just gonna say and if you got something really cool under the tree this year 
let us know. We want to know about your haul. Yeah. So give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable, ideology of madness surprise. Well, and also on social media, tag us on Twitter, you know, uh, or Instagram. I think on Twitter, we are at ideology madness. On Instagram, we are at IOM geek. Yep, that's correct. Um, you know, tag us in your pictures. Let us know what, what your haul looks like, your geek haul. We don't necessarily need to see all the socks and boxers unless they're geek Oh, related. I don't know. I, I, I might need to see those. <laughs> I, got, I got a sock thing going on. Uh, only if they're being modeled. <laughs> yeah, only if they're being modeled. We're looking at you, Ooh. Tony Mast. <laughs> um, you get Tony Mast and some tube socks, just some tube socks. I'm just saying, worth the climb. Three tube socks. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, show title, by the way, three tube socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, uh, you know, this week, um, since we're talking about Christmas, Dark Horse Comics put out a new Hellboy comic called Krampus Knocked. Um, so if you're not familiar with the legend of Krampus, uh, we don't need to go into it all here, but Krampus is basically the, the bad version of, um, Santa Claus, and he takes the bad kids and basically sticks them in a sock and takes them away. Um, yeah, he, he's a, he's a very European construct. You know, yeah. in, in America, Santa's a nice guy. Santa's your friend, right? We like Santa over in uh, over in the, uh, the the very dark worlds of of, of Europe. <laughs> not so much. You know, you got Saint Nicholas, as Hellboy explains in the book. He comes and brings candy and and, and treats for all the good little boys and girls. And, uh, you know, Krampus comes along and hauls away the kids who are bad. Never to be seen again. Yeah. yeah. So, so you picked up this Krampus Knocked book. I did. What did you think? I did. Uh, and I have to say, I really, I, I love Mike Mignola and uh, Adam Hughes. And this is a lovely book to look at. Um, I, I, I don't pick up the uh, Hellboy and Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, otherwise known as BPRD, yeah. in the single-issue formats. I usually buy them in the trades, and I love those books. This, however, uh, you know, because it was the season, I wanted to pick it up. And as, as lovely as it is, um, it is essentially the same kind of story you get anytime you've got a Hellboy one-shot kind of thing. I was thinking the exact same yeah. thing. I, I, while I, the book is beautiful, it is the yeah. same Hellboy one-shot we have seen every year, every yeah. six months, whatever. And, and you know, I mean, it, it, you know, Hellboy comes into town. Somebody needed to get his attention. He's given a mission. He finds out that the mission giver is, uh, you know, part either part of the problem or is in fact the bad guy. He fights the bad guy. He goes home and talks about it. I mean, and there, there really was, it, it was such a story by rote. I mean, you're midway through the book and you're like, okay, well, you know, I guess I'll just enjoy the art yeah. because the story is doing absolutely nothing for me. And again, the book is gorgeous. I really don't begrudge having spent three ninety nine on this book, but I just wish that we had had a little more story there. I agree. I really would have, I think, um, first of all, this is just like a one-shot, regular-sized comic. I think as a, as a graphic novel, it would have had more room to breathe. Um, but there wasn't any story here. There was, I mean, yeah. literally, Hellboy yeah, shows literally up, no story. talks to a guy, the guy turns out to be Krampus. Like, it, that all happens within the first five pages. Then you have a fight sequence, and then it's over. Like, it, it is nothing, nothing that we haven't seen, like you said, in the Hellboy um, pages before. 
and and honestly a bit disappointing to the disappointing to the point that I think I am done with Hellboy one shots. Um, you know, if they put out like another graphic novel, I'll consider it depending on the the theme of the 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 one shot. But the, these these characters, and this feels bad saying this, but these characters deserve better. Even though they're yeah. even though they're being written by their creator, um, right. they deserve better. It felt like a paycheck book, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of respects. It's like, hey, it'd be fun to draw Krampus. I know you keep calling it Krampus, but I'm sorry, it's Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not um, how they pronounce it in Germany, Aaron. <laughs> Krampus knocked. <laughs> uh, so you know, it, it'd be it'd be fun to draw this guy, and hey, we can do Hellboy with it. Let's do it. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get a we'll get a, a paycheck from Dark Horse. I, that's fine. I, like I said, I don't begrudge it. It just wasn't great. I, when I think of the Hellboy one shots that, that over the years, one stands out to me, and it's the one. It's uh, the the Hellboy Luchador story yes. where he meets the uh, the Mexican wrestlers and mm. fights vampires with them. Yes, I enjoyed I love that, that one. Story. Mm-hmm. I love that story. But of course, it has luchadors in it. What's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but uh, I like the characters of Hellboy a lot better than the actual books. And I think the movies did a better job with the characters than any of the comics ever have. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion, honestly. I think that's just the opinion okay. when it comes to Hellboy. I, it is not my opinion. I I love the 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 arc stories, not the standalone stories, but the stories that, that tell the, the arc of the, uh, you know, uh, of Hellboy as an heir to hell, right? Yeah. Where uh, those, those sort of mythology stories, uh, all the way and up to Hellboy and hell. I've enjoyed all of those. I, I find that I enjoy the mythology and the think and the thought behind Hellboy more than I enjoy the uh-huh. writing sometimes. But, you know, I think, I think I, the same could be said for me, of Dark Knight's Metal number four. Um, <laughs> so you didn't like this one. I, 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 I didn't like this one. And I will say, um, I feel like, and this is this is 100% DC's fault, not my fault as a, as, as a reader. It is 100% DC's fault that you have flooded my comiXology feed with Dark Knight's Metal books for the past three, four months, and then literally gave me a month of dick. <laughs> Right. And right. then and then release Dark Knight's Metal number 4 and expect my anticipation to be the same. At this point now you've started another you've started another epic story with Doomsday Clock and now it has been at least 3 if not 4 weeks without a single book related to this series. Um like you they killed the momentum for themselves. Yeah. I feel. And so when I picked up this book I was like, eh, like I, I'm not even interested in metal anymore because so much other stuff has been happening. <laughs> Um, you know, if, Which if, is interesting because usually Paul looks forward to a month of dick. <laughs> I, I, <God. laughs> I, I'll give that to you, Wayne. Um, but you know, I, I'm not saying this book was bad. Um, even though it just feels like after a month, uh, this didn't blow my mind. Right? It, it just it the momentum for me on this storyline has has taken a big hit. Um, what do you think, Aaron? Uh, I think the story. I think the space is awfully crowded right now for these large, big stories over in the DC universe. I mean, we got a lot of really big things going on, and I just I I struggle with how this fits into the space when you've got Doomsday Clock going on and everything going on with Oz over in the Superman books and everything that's going on over in the Batman books. It just seems like wow, you know, how does this fit into everything? And you, you have to just 
let that go, right? You, you just yeah. let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, let it go. But I felt like this book was fine. I laughed out loud when we got to the page with, with Batman's five finger death punch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got a big kick out of that, but, uh, I, I just I, I, I like yourself, Paul, I, I think the month hiatus from the book hurt it. Um, and I'm, I'm a little less interested in it now than I was before. Yeah, I, I just it, it's it, there's only two more issues left. I think there's one more. I think next week we get that Hawkman lost, um, mm-hmm. you know, crossover book. And I will continue the storyline. I, I, I have I have enjoyed it, but I think that it had too much of a break. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I think it did as well. And uh, it just I will also say I felt like this issue was a lot more exposition heavy than some of the previous issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of well, let me tell you this and let me explain that. And oh, one more thing, you know, and here's why I can't help you. You know, I, so I, it just wasn't it wasn't as good. But, you know, maybe it's just a slump in the middle and maybe the, the last two books will bring it in because there's a whole lot that we've enjoyed in the metal and, books. And there's a whole lot of story in this book to like and gorgeous yeah. art. I mean, there's a yeah. ton of stuff going on that I do enjoy. I enjoy the old Batman and Superman, you know, now that they've been drained of life, you know, kind of taking on these these larger than life um, Barbados characters and things like that. Um, Bar- Barbados, Barthos, something like that. Um but I, I just feel like uh, with all, I mean, mu- some weeks you had multiple books, just space it out a little more. Just space it out a little more so that you keep the momentum going because you built up this super strong momentum and then basically did nothing. Um, yeah. And I get it. Delays happen. But it seemed like you were already accounting for that. And then it happened anyway. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but that being said, it's certainly not the best Batman book I read this week. That honor goes to Batman number 37, the double date between um, Batman and Catwoman and Superman and Lois Lane. Uh, I, I It's written by Tom King, art by Popman, or Clayman, I'm sorry. Um, uh, with, with a variant cover by Olivier Copiel that is screaming hot. Oh, yeah. God, that Copiel cover is just gorgeous. Everything that guy does for DC. I mean, I just, it's gorgeous. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they are putting him on something worthy of his talents. Ditto. Ditto. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's superhero night at the Gotham County Fair, where if you're going to come into the fair, you have to wear a superhero costume. And this is the double date they've chosen. Tim? <laughs> Maybe you guys can help me out on this one, um, because uh, you got it digitally. Uh, they guide, do they guide view this guy pretty yes. pretty hard? Okay. Yeah. My, I love this book. Don't get me wrong. I love the art. I love the story. The, the one small complaint I had was there was a lot going on per page, mm-hmm. and that I felt like sometimes you guys say that they they don't draw to the digital media. I think this one was drawn to the digital media a little bit. Um, it's it's not the worst one. We'll get to that one as far as w- really hard to follow exactly where I'm supposed to go. But that said, all, all the, the story made up for any small quibble I had about that. Um, I uh, <laughs> I actually, as cheesy as it sounds to have superhero night at the county fair, 
I, I love their solution to that problem. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. I, I, the, the fact that the, that, okay. Uh, Batman, I'll wear your costume. You be Superman. I'll be Batman. You know, so you got Clark Kent in the Batman gear and, and, uh, Bruce Wayne in the Superman gear, Lois wearing, uh, the Catwoman outfit and Lois standing in the, uh, I'm assuming the bathroom, though they they yeah they're they're standing in the bathroom and she's like uh, um, you know looking down at it and Catwoman's like it stretches, it better. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) It's cracking up. It's a great book. It's a great book. I mean, it's it's more of that stuff that I like where it's downtime with the superheroes. We're just getting to hear these guys talk and be friends. I mean, there's a reason why uh, this story arc, this two-part story arc is called Super Friends. I mean, it's just fantastic. Watching Batman, quote, Batman walk around with uh, glasses on because yes. you know, it's Clark Kent was <laughs> killing me, was killing me. And, you know, you see them coming through the tunnel of love and here comes uh, Batman in glasses and, you know, Lois Lane dressed as Catwoman. So the Kents are in their little swan boat coming through the tunnel of love. And he's like, that was nice. And she goes, yeah, it was nice. And then here comes uh, Selena and Bruce. And I mean, they are, she is full on dry humping him. (laughs) (laughs) him. Just as sordid as it can be. Cracked me the F up. It is just, I I love the the interaction between Selena and Lois. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much subtlety in this book, you know, when they're they're talking about, um, you know, Lois Lane is asking Selena Kyle, you know, why would anyone? Why? That's all I'm asking. Why? And then, you know, Selena Kyle says, it's just when I fall, he catches me. Does that make any sense at all? And, you know, you realize that the first time Lois met Superman, you know, he was catching her out of either a falling helicopter or a falling plane, depending on which stories you read. There's there's just so much good stuff in this. Um, yeah. The character moments are, are fantastic. There's Mister Miracle dolls on one page that they're you know they're in the fair and um, at the the prizes. One of the prizes is just like a bunch of Mister Miracle dolls. You know another book that Tom King writes. Um, right. I just I loved everything about this book. The 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 uh, the Ferris wheel scene was pretty funny when they uh-huh. started talking baseball. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't know how he thinks he could possibly hit it. And then the next scene is like lower as Batman. He's like, you can only physically throw a baseball and still be a baseball so <laughs> I love this book. Well, and I, I love how dour Bruce is throughout the whole book, you know, because Selena's Selena's a lot more brighter and upbeat than uh than than Bruce is. And she's like, well, and he'll do it because, you know, I'm his, his darling fiance. No, <laughs> that whole it kept cutting to panels with Bruce going, no. <laughs> and then the next panel has him doing it. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was killing me. I thought one of the I don't know if you, if you guys caught this, but I think one of the most telling series of panels is Batman, Lois, Selena and Clark eating ice cream and their choices of ice cream. I, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, Clark is Batman. He's eating vanilla ice cream. Yep. You've got. Selena as Lois uh, eating what looks like mint chocolate chip. You've got Batman as you got Bruce as Superman eating chocolate. And then you've got Lois as Catwoman 
eating strawberry. I mean, I, I thought the 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 ice cream choices, and particularly Clark eating vanilla, was like spot on. Yeah, of course he likes vanilla. <laughs> they should have put <laughs> Superman ice cream though, the blue swirly one. Uh huh. Yeah, that's nasty, Paul. It's good stuff. And plus, <laughs> wouldn't that wouldn't that just be Superman eating Superman, and that's just wrong? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I love this book. I gotta love this book. Uh, and you're right, Paul, the, the relationship developing between Lois and Selena is just brilliant. I love, you know, that they have restored this friendship between Batman and Superman in the pages of DC Comics, sorely missing during the launch of the new 52 and back dead center of the universe in the rebirth. Uh, I think it's great stuff. Well, and also from DC Comics this week, we had not one, but two super family-related books. So we already had Superman in the pages of Batman, and we also get Superman in the pages of Superman number 37, albeit not as much Superman as you'd think. Yeah, um, you get a lot more uh, you Batman. Know, Batman of Tomorrow in, in, yeah. in this one. Well, and the first half of it at least being Batman of today. Yeah. I thought it was, for a minute I had to double-check what book I was reading. It's like, is this a Superman book? I did, yeah, too. Getting a, getting his ass handed to him by the Batman of Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that. So two-part Super Sons of Tomorrow. Um, we talked about this a, a little while back on the podcast because I had mentioned, and this is spoilers for uh, Super Sons number 11, that this story would reintroduce Connor Kent back into the DC universe, which it does. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. It's the Connor Kent of, of Tomorrow. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the future just, or the future team. I don't even know. I don't remember if they were the Titans or the league or whatever. Um, but you've got but Connor doesn't, Connor doesn't age. So it's kind of like the same Connor. True. <laughs> but you've got Cassie and Bart. Um, you know, these are characters that to a certain extent don't exist in these counterparts anymore in the current continuity. So seeing that those those characters as they were presented um, by Jeff Johns previously. I loved that. Yeah. But uh, so Wayne, you clearly read these books. What did you think of super sons of tomorrow? So I like the storyline. I love that both of them came out in the same week to start us off, but I felt like it was really too soon. Like we just had the story and detective with future Tim. And now here's future Tim <laughs> again, like the very next month. It, seemed way too soon to me and i don't know that normally doesn't bother me but it did here for some reason uh like we mentioned the first book is mostly a batman book but it does get into superman the superman parts of the fortress of solitude i thought were really good i like that he's putting back together the statue of ma and pa kent and uh, i like kind of those character moments uh i don't know I've, i'm kind of torn on the story because it's I like the elements of it, but it just feels like it's too soon for it right now. After the last Tim Drake future evil Batman story. It also doesn't help that Bruce is like, you were just here. What yes. is it now? It's he's he calling out the fact that this just happened. That was my exact reaction too. was the same as Bruce's. You were just here. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, he was just here. Uh... You know, and, and we'll get to it when we get to the, the the second part. But it it I'm at the point now where it's finally going to get to what I want to see. So this book actually was I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I I I liked seeing uh, 
Although we've seen it before, where someone else uses Bruce's F F the Justice League button on the Justice League. Um, but I I don't know. I I guess I guess it's hard to get just looking at this one issue. It's hard to get over the fact that this story just happened, especially when they call it out. That so that's where I go with it. I you know that didn't bother me at all. Uh, I I enjoyed uh, the issue of Superman a great deal, largely for the things that that, that that Wayne said. You know, I enjoyed the the parts with the two Batmans. You know, Tim Drake and Bruce Wayne fighting each other. I enjoyed the the parts at the Fortress of Solitude. I always enjoy you know spending quality time there in in, in uh, Superman's clubhouse. I did not enjoy the Teen Titans issue nearly so much, or the Super Sons issue nearly so much, featuring the Teen Titans. Um, and it was largely, I, I just don't like this brand of Teen Titans and they feature so prominently in the book. Uh, that's kind of my gripe about it. So if we're hitting on the Teen Titans issue, there was one thing I loved about it. And that was the very beginning. The Titans are in the middle of the battle and along comes Jonathan just, you know, swoop in, take out this villain, take out this villain, take out this villain. I've done all your work for you while secretly hiding. Okay. So... I I like that, but here's my problem, because I don't read T-Titans. That first, like, page, when it had a bunch of people in costumes, I was like, I don't remember this person on the Teen Titans. Who, who is this? It's the fact that they're fighting other costumed people. That and got you don't know really, any of them? Yeah, <laughs> I, I hardly know any of them, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly what Raven looks like, because I don't read this damn book. <laughs> like, okay. Like, obviously, you okay, that's Starfire, that's Flash. That's Beast Boy. But I'm like, who are these other people? Are they members of the team? And I just don't know. I feel like they could have went a little bit, uh, I don't know, Royal Flush Gang-ish so that I knew, okay, who's the good guys, who's the bad guys? Mm-hmm. Paul? You know, I, I thought it was okay. Um, I enjoyed certain aspects of the book. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I, I know it said, you said you didn't, it didn't bother you. But it did actually bother me that the Batman of Tomorrow is already back um, mm-hmm. in another major storyline. Because that storyline was not short that, that no. he was just in. And so the fact that he's already back, I was like, oh, come on. Like, we just saw this. And I think, I don't know if that's intentional. Because, I mean, certainly they call it out. Or I, if it was just I think bad it must timing. Be. I think it must be for, for, for them to have written in Bruce's comments about it. Um, and keep in mind, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, oh, we just had this guy. But, you know, in, in terms of time travel, if he's still alive in the timeline, he can come back. He can come back right now. Right. Uh, so that, that really didn't bother me at all, particularly because I've enjoyed that storyline. True. True. But, but I do get it. I mean, you know, there was a time where we were like, God, do we have to have Prime again? <laughs> you know, because it was like that he was the villain they were trotting out. And I, I just... I don't know why they decided to do this story so quickly, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I, you know, I certainly enjoyed the first issue a great deal. And the second issue isn't bad. I just don't like these characters in the Teen Titans. Yeah. And I don't, um, and I believe I could be wrong, but I do think this crosses over into Teen Titans itself. Yeah. The next issue is actually Teen Titans. It's a good thing you mentioned that. Otherwise I don't think, uh, three of us probably would have bought the book. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's, 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 uh, it's what is it eight parts, Paul? Oh, is it? Probably. A, I, I think it goes on yeah. for two months. Yeah, it's it's six or eight parts. Yeah, but so I I, I enjoyed the story. I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of it. But you know, Paul, Paul. Yes, sir. 
I am also uh, looking forward to all these new, or not all, many of these new DC titles that are coming out uh, starting in January. As am I. You know, I, I don't know if you notice this, and it's subtle because um, I don't think they're really trying to draw attention to it. Uh, did you notice that on the creative teams, the artist is listed first on all of them? Usually it's the writer. That. Right. But in, in these books, they're showing the, the artist uh, listed first. Yeah, I did notice that because I was and what made me notice that is like J Jim Lee is is writing this and James Tenyon's on it. No, it doesn't make it sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But no, I the uh I there are several books here that I'm looking forward to. It's 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 a new wave of uh of uh books coming to the DC universe. And a couple of call-outs. Number one, we've talked about it previously on the show. Uh you know, previously, Mar uh, DC Comics's answer to the Fantastic Four has always been challengers of the unknown because they were out there explorers. They didn't have superpowers, but they were explorers, like the, you know, Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four. But they are coming. They are coming up with a new comic called the Terrifics, which fe features Metamorpho, Plastic Man, Mister Terrific, and somebody I don't recognize. Um, but Phantom I'm, I'm really. Is that Phantom Girl? And I'm really looking forward to that book. It's uh, pencils by uh, Yvonne Rice and uh, uh, words by Jeff Lemire. And that's but just I'm, for the first story arc, because the second story arc is drawn by one Doc Shaner. No. Who also did the designs on the characters. Yeah. That's crazy talk. Yes. Uh, there's also The Immortal Men by uh, Jim Lee and uh, James Tinian IV. Uh, also, also just looks like a terrific book. You mentioned uh, Challengers. There's a Challengers book. Yeah, that's but, the one I was working up to with Andy Kubert and Scott Snyder. Ugh! I have hope because of the creative team, but I'm going to be honest. There's been a lot of bad Challengers books. There's also been, you know, there there was the, the one they did back in the early 90s that I loved. Um, that's kind of my point. It hasn't been since the 90s for them to be good. I agree. But the, it does look like they've got a good team on it. And I've always liked the idea of the challengers. And I just picked up the uh, Jack Kirby uh, uh, big uh, uh, collection of challengers books. So I am, I am in, a, in a challengers state of mind. I am kind of curious about the sideways book just because of the character design I think is kind of interesting. Some of these books you can tell are not going to last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, immediately. Oh, yeah. Like Damage, um, you know, some of these books kind of remind me of, I don't remember, Sun. I think it was called Bloodbath. What was that new line that DC put out in the 90s that Hitman came from? Bloodlines. Oh, Bloodlines. Bloodlines. Yeah. Some of them yeah. strike me hardcore as a bit Bloodlines-y. Uh, Silencer does, yeah. Yeah. But Absolutely. Silencer also reminds me of that uh, Vigilante series that... Uh, that that they had out for a while. Yeah. Yep. I don't expect the unexpected to last long. So it really will be unexpected if it does. <laughs> yeah. But so that... I, there are a couple there are a couple of books here that I'm that I'm looking forward to, but by far the book I have anticipated the most this month that came out this week was the return of Marvel 2 and 1 featuring the thing and his buddy the Human Torch. I think a couple of you guys read this with me. I or did. at least Paul. Wayne did Paul? you read it? I Oh, I did too. Okay, so, I've been looking uh, forward to it as well. So, Wayne, tell me what you thought. You know, I really enjoyed this as a nostalgia piece. Mm -hmm. So, you start off right away. Thing is, he is there for an award 
based on science. So he's like the last member of the Fantastic Four that would be, you know, giving a uh, a speech like that. And the speech is also nostalgic, and it goes back through some of the great things that made Fantastic Four such a wonderful book back when it was. Things about, you know, it's not just a superhero team. It's a, you know, they explore things. They're an adventure team. They're a family. And they go through all that. What I didn't realize as they kind of talked about this is everyone seems to think that uh, Reed and Sue are dead. Right. And the, the kids are in a that I didn't realize that was kind of the thought process going on. I'm thinking it sounds like some of them don't remember what happened with Secret Wars. I don't know. That's just kind of my take on you know reading them that they don't know that Reed and Sue are still out there with the kids. Oh, well, I don't yeah, think I, I don't think people knew that even in Secret War. I think the way it ended, it was um, for the heroes. It seemed like they had sacrificed themselves to save everybody. I know Doom knew though, and yeah. Doom's book but yeah i i really enjoyed it from a nostalgia point of view i like seeing the two characters back together you know thing and human torch and their interactions and i love the the pain that johnny's going through of you know they're gone the fantastic four is gone he's having identity crisis and he doesn't like to be reminded of that because they're gone yeah no i i no, love the, I i'm hoping this... it's leading to a return same here. And I, I, I thought the, the book is beautifully drawn by Jim Chung. I mean, I just really enjoy all the pages of this book. I, I like the way he's drawing Dr. Doom, the way he's drawing the thing, the way he's drawing Human Torch. I feel like Chip Zdarsky hit it pitch perfect in terms of, of the tone of the writing. Um, I dug this book from beginning to end. I, I, I was so glad they didn't cock this one up. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have been largely out of the Marvel Universe since the end of the Secret Wars, uh, having picked up a, you know, a book or two, including Thor. But uh, uh, I, I as long as as long as they keep this one up, I'm in. I mean, I just absolutely love this. I'm a big fan of Marvel two and one featuring the thing from, you know, the volume one back in the day. Uh, it's one of my favorite titles. Uh yeah, I mean, so, I, I, I adored yeah. this book, um, just to mirror yeah. what you guys have been saying. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I think Marvel is hitting the right notes with some of their books lately, um, mm -hmm. being Captain America and now this one. They are scratching yeah. that itch. Well, they've also got that whole line of books that they've brought back for one issue. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, we talked about uh, Darkhawk on that. One of the ones we didn't talk about was I picked up Power Pack. And I only mention it because at the end they flash over to, uh, you know, Alex Powers is with the Fantastic Four, or with Reed and uh, them. And they kind of, they keep doing more and more minor little hints and books around Marvel that I've been reading of some of this uh, legacy stuff that Reed and Sue are going to come back. I think we'll see that after the next Infinite you know, they're, they're building. There's a, a new Infinite Countdown series coming out, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure we'll see the Fantastic Four return at the end of that, especially now that the movie property rights are are now owned again by Marvel. Well, I'm excited, and I'd like to be excited about next week's comics, Paul. What's coming out? Well, so next week is a fifth week, you know, which so, which does so dick all. <laughs> well, but there are two releases that are there to look forward to. One being Doomsday Clock number two. 
Uh, comes out this coming Wednesday. Very exciting. And if you are a Star Wars fan and um, one of the few who enjoyed The Last Jedi, such as myself, there is a, a Star Wars special coming out from Marvel called The Storms of Crate. Uh, learn the secret behind the, the mineral planet Crate. Long before it became a battleground between the, between the Resistance and the First Order, Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa led the rebellion there in search of a new home. Uh, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, art by Mike Mayhew. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not uh, a big fan I hate of those guys. guys. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. I'm sure I'm sure they're nice enough people, but boy, they, they write some crap. Yeah. Um, but I'll give that book a shot. And, you know, obviously, Doomsday Clock, we will be discussing. Doomsday Clock, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So speaking of uh, Star Wars, Paul, uh, my wife got me this year a Star Wars Advent Calendar, the Lego one. Oh, nice. And I have been loving every day putting together, like, micro ships and things. I only have one left. I know what the last one is. It's a snow Chewbacca. Oh. Aaron, how many days do you think he went into it before he realized he wasn't supposed to eat the Legos as he opened the day? <laughs> <laughs> day seven? Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hey guys, uh, yeah, have a Merry Christmas. Have a terrific New Year. We'll see you right back here next week. Go and check out the uh, Rainsboro Christmas special, a very Rainsboro Christmas, currently in the feed right now. And then two weeks from today, two weeks, Paul, from today is the funnies. Woo! So if you have got something that you would like to nominate, if you if there is a book that you want us to especially consider. Tweet us, Instagram us, leave us a voicemail on, on the hotline. You can do all of those things and more. Skywriting. We like skywriting. Use the Force Mind link across the nation to talk to us in our very heads. Uh, do all of that. And uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see you back here for next week's show and then the funnies. Woohoo! Bye, everybody. Krampus is going to get you. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.